Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 23rd, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 51, the second full paragraph, which begins, We Asked Ourselves. Today's readers are Dana B. on the 12th. Steps, Liz S. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Kimmy D., Michelle H., and Penny C. The reference number for yesterday, April 22nd, is 6219. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dana B. to read the 12 steps. Dana, press star one to unmute. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Dana. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Dana B. 
I will now ask Liz S. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Liz S., a recovering compulsive overeater. Tradition 1, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Past. Thank you, Lizzie. Uh, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 51, the second full paragraph. And we are going to read two paragraphs, uh, beginning with We Asked Ourselves. Um, and we'll focus our comments on the second paragraph. And uh, Kimmy D., would you start the reading, please? Sure. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, fellas. My name is Kimmy. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We asked ourselves this. Are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? 
Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of air was almost an old story, and airplane travel was in full swing. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I'll bet they do it, and maybe not so long either. It's not our age characterized by the ease of with, with which we discard old ideas for new, but a complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something which does, which new which does. And uh, the thing that pops out about uh, this paragraph is the, I bet they do it, maybe not so long either. You know, it's the idea of throwing away old ideas for new ones. And it's spoken about time and time again in this book of how, you know, the psychic change is about abandoning old ideas for new ones. Old ideas that didn't work that, in my experience, I would just keep hammering, hammering, hammering. And if the Wright brothers had used their uh, first old theory that didn't work, well, air travel wouldn't be where it is today. It was very interesting because I had gone down to Kitty Hawk on vacation a couple of years ago, and it was fascinating to see the markers in the ground of how they had taken their first flight, their second flight, their third flight. Well, each time they took those flights, you know, it's clear that in theory they had to let go of what wasn't working to make room for something new so that they could get to that third marker, which is what got them off the ground. And in my behavior, if I'm looking at just that first marker of what's not looking and hammering that square peg into the round hole and keep doing what I've done and it doesn't work, well, how am I making room for a new theory, a new way of thinking? That's where God comes into my life, and that's where the foundation of a spiritual experience can happen. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy. Who would like to share on what was read? Katie G. from Boston. This is Larry. Okay, we'll have Katie G. and then Larry. Go ahead, Katie. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered for today. Grateful. Thank you, Kathy, so much for your service. Um, I loved this part of We Agnostic. I love it. Um, when my sponsor got to this chapter or this part, page 51, she said to me, Katie, what do you do when your vacuum cleaner breaks? You get a new one, right? You don't go wandering around figuring out, oh, maybe I can, or maybe you do, okay? For those of you who are technologically savvy and can fix things, that's great. But for me, like, let's just say my phone breaks. I when my phone breaks, I want it fixed immediately, and, and I'm actually really quite willing to get a new one. And it's so funny because that's not how I acted with this, right? Like I was so convinced 
time and time again, I'm going to try this again. Here we go. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, it doesn't matter that all of my, um, you know, all the ways in which I, I've been trying to manage what I thought was a food problem haven't been working. You know, I, I, uh, I, I'm going to keep trying. And this is where I started to break open, right? Like I didn't have this huge idea of who God was, but I started to break open because I couldn't, argue with any longer. I couldn't, my sponsor was saying things to me that I related so much with. It was like, yeah, you know what? If I'm willing to get a new phone, can I, can I even be a little bit willing? Can I be a little bit ready to consider that my way of living my life has gotten me, you know, without a job, without relationships, um, controlling my entire life, shutting it out, and uh, and really wanting to die, you know, having that second surrender where I mis- when I was totally miserable. And thank you, God, for We Agnostics, because this is where I started to have a turning point, a real belief that something could help me that was beyond me. I'm, and I'm sorry, it sounds like uh, something else is going on. But anyway, um, I'm so grateful for this chapter. I'm so grateful for the privilege and the opportunity to look at things differently, to see that you know, my thoughts are can be discarded every day. And today, for me, I'm recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I still have old ideas that I can discard. You know, different ways. I was talking with a sponsor this morning, like how many different ways can we look at situations? Can we shift our, our perspective? I've heard, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous can also stand for attitude adjustment. And I needed an entire psychic change, an entire attitude adjustment. And it, and this is where I started to break open, and I am so grateful for that privilege. So um, thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. And if you are doing the work, keep doing it. If you're new, welcome. This is a way that works. Thank you, Katie G. Uh, Larry, you're next. Press star one to unmute, Larry. Hey, Kathy, sorry about that. This is Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, so we're talking about what I like in here is it talks about this complete liberation of thinking you know, freedom of thinking. And and this is explained as kind of like a radical change of attitude. And, th- and this change, you know, how does this change come about? It comes about as a result of a, a critique of the, of the evidence. And, and, that, and it says, it goes on to say, that's true in most fields. I know in my field of, of psychology, the old thinking that was embraced, you know, years ago gave way to new new thinking, new ideas. And based on what? Based on the prevailing evidence. You know, there was lots of myths in my field that have since been refuted by, by sound evidence, you know, re, and research and, and so forth. You know, like one example, I was just talking about it last night in the class, hypnosis, you know, it, like this unique, it was a unique trance state um, that, that it was thought to differ significantly from wakefulness, you know. And pop, popular, you know, movies and books and so forth portrayed the hypnotic trance state is so powerful that, that otherwise normal people like you and me, well, I'm not so normal, but you might be, um, you'll do things completely out of character. Not so. You know, the, later on, the research showed that hypnotized people, you know, which is just a deeply relaxed state, 
can resist or even oppose hypnotic suggestion. So the point, the point being is that any field, you know, old ideas are discarded for new ones based on new information, new evidence. And here's the evidence I was presented with, undeniable in nature. My self-centered life was a mess, and your God-centered life was, was working. You know, I, my, my evidence was I couldn't stay stopped from ingesting my bin foods. I could stop for a time, but I couldn't stay stopped. Your abstinence day after day that you had, you, you had without a struggle. You know, you were happy, joyous, and free despite calamity and challenge in your life. Um, when, I, when I put my binge foods down for a day, I was miserable. I was ready to crawl out of my skin. I couldn't stand it. You somehow were peaceful and serene. What, what's going on with you? That was the evidence I saw in you. You know, and, and, and I mean, I grudgingly did service uh, merely as a way to get something back for myself. You told me to do service, maybe I'll do it. I didn't want to do it unless I can get something out of it. You willingly did service from a, from a, a God-centered place and wanted to do more of it. It didn't seem like you were trying to get something from it. So you see, this cha- in this chapter, I learned that if I continued on this path I was on, the one I was on before, the outcome would be disastrous. And I had two alternatives, doomed to an alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis. You know, the principle step two is hope. And, you know, and and, I mean, even Evie was talking to Bill across his kitchen table, and and Bill was like, you know, as soon as he started talking about God, you know, it's like, check, please, (laughs) he's out of here. You know, and and then Evie said, you know, why don't you choose a God of your own conception? You know, is it possible that there's some power greater than me, some, some energy, some creative intelligence, universal force that's more wise than my thoughts? And once I was able to say, yes, that, that's possible, I got a new idea, then I, then I took step two. You know, I, I can make this more complicated if I wanted to. The idea of, like, taking step two, that I need to know precisely who this higher power is. That's crazy. I didn't need to know. I just came to believe. I had to solve the, the selfish problem with a selfless solution. And today I'm no longer a prisoner. You know, today, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous because this journey is about an awakening to the stuff I didn't know that I didn't know. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Who else would like to share on these, this second paragraph? Randy from Worcester. This is I'd like to share. Okay, I heard Randy. And who else? Jackie. Jackie. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Randy. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Uh, this is Randy Cabalsov, Reader from Worcester. Uh, grateful uh, to be here. Um, yeah, this is a, a really good chapter. It's really great to be back studying studying these steps. I've been through the steps before with the, with the big book, and I'm just really grateful for this meeting. Um, what really rings out to me uh, in, this, in this part of the chapter is really about this wasn't the first time that these, that these guys tried to get this. How many times did the Wright brothers fail? How many times did they keep trying different things, keep trying different things? And each time their brain said, okay, I can still do it. For me, that's what rings true to me today, that I just kept coming. I just kept coming and I kept trying, despite the fact that I lacked the willingness or I lacked the faith. You know, my sponsor once told me, um, you know, without doubt, there'd be no reason for faith. And that, that rings true to me, and it's something that I can't see. It's something that I can't touch. 
but listening to the meetings and listening to the to the words that are said right from this book, right from this book, I hear people who have truly recovered, who have really had the urge to eat has been removed one day at a time, based on how we work our day, based on spiritual principles that are taught right out of this book. We're being taught out of this book. These are lessons to be learned. It's like we're going back to school. I'll speak for me. I'm going back to school to learn how to relive my life. And in order to do that, my teacher has to be God. And uh, I'm just grateful that, uh, that I have the opportunity to be able to do this again. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. And Jackie, go ahead. Uh, this is Jackie, a, a, a compulsive one we're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. What I, what I like about this chapter, I, I, I like the fact that it, it tells us, uh, it says, if not our, if, is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new? And um, that's change. Change. Change the way you think. Change, change everything in order to find this power greater than yourself. And uh, that's what I had to do for myself. I had to rethink everything, look at it, step outside the box. It's almost like being a a, a groundhog for myself today. Come out of your hole and and and, and see if 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 the, the things are going to change. Groundhog tries to see if if, if the seasons are going to change. So Jackie, if this is your season, see if it's time to change. And uh, I'm a a strong believer in in. When is your season? Now is my season, and I know today that I found the power greater than myself. I have a new location and a new season. So today I understand with this change, there's a power greater than myself that's going to help me along the way by practicing some principles. And I thank the God of my understanding today for that. And during this season, I realized that and in, in my winter mix, I wore bigger clothes. I had a bigger head. Now in my spring mix, I'm going to wear less clothes with a thinner body. And it's not about the weight. It's, it's, it's about the weight that was in my head as well. Change the way you think. Change with your season. Find the God of your understanding. And today I found him. He, he works for me. And uh, and with that, I, I pass, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Jackie. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Sure. Go ahead, this Bella. This is Karen in Colorado. Okay. And then... Lonnie. Okay. I heard Bella, Sharon, and was there someone else? Lonnie. Lonnie. Okay. Okay, we'll start with Bella. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I love this paragraph, and I am, you know, it shows me, it's a mirror for me where I was before program and where, thank God, I am now in the program. Uh, is not our age Categorized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new. Yes, 
before program, I was just busy looking for new ideas how to lose weight. I knew that I am overweight and I have to do a diet. I was busy to look for new ways to lose weight. I was busy only with the symptom. I didn't know that it's only a symptom. I was, I thought that this is my problem. I am overweight and if I will do the right diet, I will lose weight. And I tried so many ideas. And when one idea, one way didn't work, I just tried another one. And I was busy being angry and upset of being angry and upset why it doesn't work for me. And I didn't think that this is a symptom only. And it's more than this. My overweight is my my way of building my self-ego, my self-centered, uh, my, my relationship weren't, weren't any, didn't have any meaning for me. And thank God, thank God now that I am in the program, I know that my overweight is only a symptom. This is not the problem. The, the, I, I am now looking to, to build my relationship with God. And by building my relationship, my connection to God, and by accepting myself as a human, because this is the way that I was created, to be a human, I am, now I can live in peace and in a, a peaceful mind. I am not looking anymore to to blame and to judge other and myself. I know that my connection with God, this is the meaningful for me. And there is no reason for me to look for other ways to lose weight because this is only a symptom. And I want now to be, to be, to put my all attention in my connection with God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Uh, Sharon, go ahead, please. Hi, Kathy. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, uh, Kathy. Uh, yeah, I was going to narrow in on that, too, is is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or the gadget, which does not work for something new, which does. And, uh, you know, I had been obsessed with food, weight, and dieting from a very early age, and I my focus was so on that. And I did not see all these underlying old ideas, especially those based on uh, my religious ideas that uh, when I went into my uh, early 20s, um, discarded the very, the one religion that I knew about and had grown up with. So I really did just uh, shut that door in on my life completely. And so what I see today is, now that I'm much older biologically, um, I have more trouble with some of this new technology, you know, with cell phones and iPads and all of that. 
But what I didn't see and didn't get until I started listening to this meeting was all the old ideas I still harbored in my mind that I did not see that obsession of the mind for what it was, that I didn't know how to manage life. I didn't know how to live life. I didn't know how to be uh, one in a relationship, one in a family, one in anything. Um, I, I strove to be something I was not, lived a lie, and lived that lie when I came into this program. I was still obsessed with the weight, the dieting, and trying to get that right, and then that would be it. So for me, I just see today that uh, I did not take seriously uh, the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it comes to this addiction. I saw it so clearly in my uh, younger years with uh, another addiction to another substance, and my life was a mess. My life was a mess. It was pretty hard not to uh, not see it for what it was, but even then it took me so long to really get that uh, true understanding of it was my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my wanting people to do things my way, my control issues, my anger, all those things, I didn't see it. And I didn't see the incredible damage it was causing to myself and to others especially. And so today, um, by God's grace, I do see that. And I, I see that the old ideas that I harbored, I had to lay down completely, set aside, begin all over again, and work these steps just like they're laid out in this big book like I had many years ago. And now I see the results happening. And I still must harbor, I don't know what harbor, harbor yesterday with the situation with my daughter and my granddaughter, my little great-granddaughter. I had to come home last night and do a 10-step, but I did it immediately. And I prayed the resentment prayer for the whole situation. And and I slept well last night. I was abstinent when I went to bed. I was abstinent when I woke up this morning. So this program truly does work in regards to this situation with food as well as any other substance if we follow the simple spiritual kit of tools that are laid out for us so clearly and, and just follow them and um, what a difference it makes. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon. This and Lonnie. Lonnie. Virginia, honey? Yes. Hi, this is Lonnie, uh, recovered compulsive overeater for today. Um, I want to hone in on the same line, you know, how we discard some old ideas with such ease. You know, what this says to me and what it, it, it highlights for me is how easily I discard ideas, other ideas, philosophical um, scientific or otherwise, but how stubborn I was when it came to what I did with food, with my compulsive overeating, you know, but I'm grateful for this program in that I keep coming back and I've kept coming back to meetings and I kept seeking. So I guess like the Wright brothers, you know, when I first worked the steps, you know, with the OA 12 and 12 in the workbook and and then I did it, you know, through another outside method. And yet I wasn't, I wasn't getting the results that, that I wanted and I so desperately longed for, you know, that I kept seeking and I kept trying. And that's what brought me to this meeting. 
you know, to truly studying the big book and learning these instructions. So I, I love it how, you know, they point out in the book, you know, how easily we toss away old ideas for new, you know, in some aspects of our lives, but in other aspects we haven't. So it's it's eye-opening for me, and it makes me stop and pause, you know, and question myself why I hold on to some things so stubbornly, you know. So today it's like I do discard what I did in the past because that didn't work for me, and I continue to seek, learn, and absorb um, like a sponge these new ideas and these new instructions outlined in the big book to help me live one day at a time in recovery today. You know, so I'm I'm truly grateful for the way they wrote this book and how eye-opening it is to help me and help others, you know, challenge our old beliefs and adopt new ones that, that work. So and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lonnie. Um, was there one more person yeah, who wanted to Cheryl. share? This is Cheryl. Okay, Cheryl, you'll be our last person on this paragraph. Go ahead. Thank you. This is Cheryl R. from Virginia. Yeah, I just wanted to say, too, um, about uh, discarding old ideas for new, um, and when what has already been mentioned about the 10th step, when, when a member here shared about the 10th step um, is something you can do all day long, that really was so helpful for me because, you know, I, in, in other times, I, I yes, even though I would pause when agitated or doubtful, I, I didn't go through the, you know, I would wait till the end of the day when sometimes it, it was too late, you know, things had um, built up. And so each day, uh, listening to people's experience in this meeting and, and carefully um, going over these these paragraphs and, and saying, okay, well, what, what does this, what does this really mean? And um, it just has made such a, a huge difference, you know, a psychic change, if you will. So, um, uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay, I'm going to ask M- Michelle H. if you would read the next paragraph. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Kathy. Um, thank you for your service. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real real help to other people. Was not a basic solution to these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. And so transitioning um, into this paragraph from our um, ideas of, okay, I've got to discard these old ideas for new, and is there a complete readiness now? Um, And then it it just kind of leaps into this for me to show me where I was having trouble, um, what were my problems, and that I needed a solution, and the solution was, part of the solution was I had to let go of my old ideas my old ideas, um, and be ready to change my point of view. And, um, you know, these bedevilments um, is exactly where my life was unmanageable. 
and I, I didn't see it. I, all I could see was that I was overweight and I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't see that even when I, I stopped eating and I thought I had some control and I thought my life was going to get better, it wasn't getting better because this is how I was living my life um, with trouble with personal relationships and I couldn't control emotions. And my solution was to exert more of myself. My solution was to um, was self-reliance, come up with another idea, um, which was the same idea of trying the same thing to try to rid myself of these problems, to try to find happiness by looking to externals, by trying to rid fear of my life by myself. And, um, you know, it goes back to the basic solution um, and isn't the basic solution to these problems much more important to what we've already discussed about, you know, how people have liberated their thinking to be able to, you know, have flight, airplanes, and then now lunar flight possibly. And and so if that, you know, if that could be accomplished by liberation of thinking, then, you know, changing my life, you know, had to start with liberating my thinking, old ideas. And solution, when they're talking about this basic solution, Right away, I, it, it brought my thinking back to page 27, and it's a, my solution. What is the solution? It's a vital spiritual experience. And it says the same thing here. It appears to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions mo- and motives begin to dominate them. And that's what I needed. Uh, I couldn't uh, continue to exert myself um, to to have this change. I had to tap into that inner resource, that higher power. I needed power. I was powerless. And that's what that vital spiritual experience is about, you know, coming to the point where I'm powerless and I need a power. And part of this is letting go of those ideas that I can do this by myself. I tried many, many times to exert myself against these problems, and self-reliance always failed me. I tried harder to control my emotions, to get rid of my own fears, look for ways to find happiness, and they were always externally, externally sought. Nothing, you know, was leading me to that inner resource um, until I got to this program, until I got to this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that said, here is the basic solution. And wasn't it more important? Yes. Yes, I found that it was it was becoming very important to me, and these twelve steps were a brand new way of thinking. These were new ideas, and and these new ideas are a spiritual solution. And so, when I got to this point, was I ready to give up all my old ideas, and was I ready for new ideas? These twelve steps, was I ready to let go of self and embrace a power greater than myself, and and just believe that if it was working for others, there was evidence all around me that it was working for other, others. And I have to be honest and tell you, when I went reading through this the first few times, it was like before I embraced this program, it's like I didn't see myself in any of these um, sentences or I didn't see myself in this paragraph at all. And, you know, because I would, I would come up for like, um, well, here's a loophole. Well, I'm making a living. What do you mean I'm not making a living? So therefore, you know, I wasn't looking that I couldn't control my emotional natures. I was prey to misery and depression. But really, how good of a job was I doing at making a living? And then, you know, not being of real help to other people. Well, I'm in a, a helping profession. What do you mean I'm not being helpful to other people? 
but, you know, my life was in shambles, and I was having trouble with personal relationships. And really, when I get honest, how much help was I of other people when I was always thinking of myself and my motives were, were not based on um, how could I be of service to other people. So, yes, you know, I, I was ready. I had this readiness to change my point of view that I could not solve my problems and I needed a power greater than myself. And it was more important, changing my life and my ideas um, and um, these bedevilments and living this type of life. It became vitally important to me, and I was ready. I was ready for a change and so grateful um, that there were recovered people there showing me the way, guiding me the way. Um, you know, like I, I have found the guiding light in this meeting and so grateful to be able to um, to share and, and to say that this has worked for me, I, I'm ready. Um, are we ready? Am I ready today? Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Michelle. <clears throat> Who would like to share on this paragraph? Monica. Yeah. Okay. I heard <laughs> Monica, Sarah, Leah. Was there someone else? Lauren S. Yeah. from Pittsburgh. Okay, let's see. Uh, Lauren S. and Kim. Okay, let's start with those. Monica, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And what an important paragraph here. And when uh, I read this with my sponsor, she had me read the paragraph, and then she had me turn around and told me to replace the we. There's a lot of background noise. Somebody can not mute it. Thank you. I was asked to replace the we's with I and to reread this paragraph. I was having trouble with personal relations, even abstinent. I was told to add these words where every comma was. I couldn't control my emotional natures, even abstinent. I was afraid of misery and depression, even abstinent. I was full of fear, even abstinent. I wasn't happy, even abstinent. These are bedevilments. What are bedevilments? Troubles, torments. And when I read that that way, I was like, wow. I'm abstinent, but I'm not, I, my life, this is describing unmanageability here. These bedevilments, this is what they mean by unmanageability in step one, that our lives have become unmanageable. Well, I didn't really agree with all that, but when I read it that way, and it's like, yeah, how happy are you, Monica? How's that relationship going, Monica? Are you really being a help to other people, Monica? So I was showed that these were questions for unmanageability. What's unmanageability? It's the bedevilments. It's these troubles, these torments, which equals the spiritual malady that we have. This is the, my issues here. And the spiritual malady equals my selfishness and my self-centeredness. And um, so this was a very powerful paragraph here to see this stuff, to... Um, admit this stuff. And it was like, wow. Um, you know, I'm not doing as great as I think I am abstinently here. And I guess I will pass with that. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sarah, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I just was thinking to myself as we were reading this, um, 
that, you know, when I'm in this place where I'm still struggling to accept these things, I'm either like a two-year-old that's saying, no, no, no matter what somebody says to me, and I'm trying to run out in the street, or I'm like a a 15 or 14-year-old that thinks that I know everything and that is unwilling to um, hear anybody else's point of view. And that really is, you know, the self-centeredness is part of that behavior. You know, if if you study any psychology, that's what... It's all about it's all about me, it's all about what I'm doing, and that's that's the behavior of that aged child or person and um, it takes uh sometimes for us to get to that point where we're at such a bottom where we're just so miserable because you know, like the jaywalker or like the person that keeps beating his head up against a brick wall, we think somehow we can make this different with what we do. And it really is impossible. And that's when that little sliver of light comes in and we say, my gosh, there has to be something else. There has to be something else that can help me because I can't do this. And I think that's uh, where grace comes in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Leah, do you want to go next? Thanks so much, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Kathy K, for your service. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. So, um, you know, as they're pointing out here in the big book, um, you know, the 20th century is full of willingness to change. Uh, we're always willing to try something different. We're we're living in that age, you know, as soon as a new gadget or an updated iPhone comes on the scene. I mean, we don't even need to understand all its ramifications and applications. I mean, we just are standing in line for three nights worth uh, in order to get that gadget in our pocket first first off, you know, off the uh, factory uh, assembly line. So, you know, they're pointing out that the 20th century is full of that kind of willingness to change. We're always willing to try something different. We're willing to believe all kinds of things. But are we willing to believe um, that in ourselves we could be restored to sanity? Are we willing to believe that uh, we could be relieved of this obsession of the mind? Are we willing to believe that the problem could be removed? You know, are we willing to believe that if we do a few simple steps? Are we willing to uh, to take that leap of belief? And, of course, then they go on to describe these bedevilments. Uh, we were having trouble with personal relationships. Uh, we couldn't control our emotional natures, et cetera. Um, you know, my problem was not about, uh, you know, the substances that were found in cellophane bags and bakery boxes. I had a living problem. You know, I had a living problem. My life was unmanageable. Once my binge foods were removed and I was no longer compulsively overeating or even thinking about compulsively overeating, let's say, why was I restless, irritable, and discontent? Why were the events and situations in my life like are, that are described here in this paragraph, uh, why was my life so unmanageable? 
Why couldn't I exercise more self-discipline when it came to my relationships? Why couldn't I experience more control when it came to uh, my emotional predictability or unpredictability? Why was my life so unmanageable? You know, what were the results of my life emotionally, socially, spiritually, financially, within my family system? I mean, I could look at the results of my life. They were, quote-unquote, a a gift uh, by my way of living and by my philosophy of self-sufficiency. So the big book here is giving a behavioral description of my life of unmanageability. And, you know, what's the uh, definition of bedevilment is to be controlled as if by devils. And and that was true. I had a cancer of the soul. I had a soul sickness. I had a spiritual malady. I needed these steps to transform me from a life of self-centered existence and these results that are described here in this paragraph to a life of uh, God-centered existence. You know that was going to be my that was going to be my solution. You know, so uh, I could read this, you know, was, was not a solution to my living problem more important than clinging uh, to some biased ideas about the realm of the spirit or, or doubting the power of God. And that's where, for me personally, after getting pummeled by this disease, I had to realize that a life based on the belief that God exists was going to be far superior to a life without that foundation. Because I saw that in others. I saw that in others. My problem was not going to be one of proving God. My problem was going to be to act as if it was true. (laughs) And action was going to be the key word in all that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Lauren S., you um, want to go ahead? Sure. Okay. Uh, Lauren S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And here we see this, This um, for me, this single paragraph on page 52 uh, finishes, for me, step one. Um, that's just how I was taught. That's, that's okay. And the rest of this book, um, except for the first page of this, the rest of this chapter, except for the beginning of it is step two, but here this outlines the third part of my disease, the spiritual um, unmanageability, the the driving, what, what makes me restless, irritable, discontent, which then leads to the obsession and then leads to me triggering that allergy. And so I I look at this paragraph this is a great description of obstinate, sober, untreated, compulsive overeating. And um, this has nothing to do with compulsive overeating unless I'm still doing it. This is about how I live today, my current day agnosticism as a recovered person. So, you know, even though I'm abstinent and I'm I'm trying my best to help others and trust in God. I still can have these bedevilments today. And that's okay because my spiritual unmanageability won't be cured. It won't be cured. It's 
it's just um, it's just what I what it what it what it talks about when we try our best to keep spiritually fit. Um, so I like to ask myself, like, can I, on my own power, manage to control this? If nothing changes and I stay in the problem, can I eat over this? If this was ever just the way I wanted it to be, could I still eat? Therefore, can I see these problems manifest from inside myself rather than from outside? And finally, can I see these are manifestations of my unmanageability, untreated compulsive overeating, and my spiritual malady? Uh, and thanks, I'll pass. Thank you, Thank you Lauren. Uh, Kim? Good morning, all. Good morning. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, the same readiness to change our point of view. You know, I think everyone's done a beautiful job of explaining the fact that these, these bedevilments do not haunt us when we are abstinent, when we are in the food. It's the problem is that they haunt us when we're abstinent. You know, for someone like me that spent 17 years in OA, thinking that food and weight was my problem, thinking that the solution to that problem is abstinence, I never connected that. I really thought if I could stay abstinent, then I could be useful to other people. If I could stay abstinent, I wouldn't be afraid of misery and depression. Yet logically, I have to think about it. You know, if really food was my problem, then abstinence is a solution, and then these bedevilments wouldn't make sense to me at that point. If I only had a one-fold illness, if allergy of the body was the only thing that I suffered from, then abstinence truly would be my answer. So to sit down and think about, were these bedevilments true in my life when I was abstinent? And my personal experience is that they were screaming when I was abstinent and they were whispering when I was in the food because I was under anesthesia. So my solution to these bedevilments was always to go back to the food so they would start to whisper and not be so dominant in my mind. So I had to think, wow, really food was being my solution to these bedevilments. And because of this allergy of the body, that solution doesn't work. So how am I going to change my point of view? What is my point of view? Why are these bedevilments haunting me? Because my point of view is me, 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 me. What about me? Who's going to take care of me? How am I going to change that me-centeredness, that self-centeredness, that self-seeking, that self-delusion? And we're going to find that that solution to me is a relationship with God. And we're being taught in this chapter, I don't have access to that solution that I desperately, desperately need because I have a two-fold illness and not a one-fold illness. So how am I going to get access to that power? That's where the steps come in. And for someone who spent 17 years thinking abstinence was the answer and the tools of Overeat Anonymous were the solution, my history shows me that is not true. My history shows me that binging on tools never kept me abstinent. And history tells me that abstinence never gave me the solution to these bedevilments. And if we read the nine-step promises, we're going to see that those bedevilments are solved in the nine-step promises. So how do I get from these bedevilments to those nine-step promises? 
by making a decision in step three and working the action steps of four through nine. When that was explained to me so logically, I was able to deflate my ego enough to make a decision to seek that power that was going to solve my problem. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, it's now time to bring our meeting to a close today. Thank you, everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny C., will you please read a vision for you? Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., a recovered compulsive overeater. One, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.